Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited. It's going to be a great morning today. If you're a first-time guest to our church, big welcome. Someone say with me, welcome. A couple things about us. We are passionate. If you haven't captured that, we are a little fired up around here. Uh, we believe that God is worth celebrating. Uh, I know there's some churches, man, that sing like he's in the grave still, but we're convinced that he got out of it. There's some churches that pray like God is deaf, but we're convinced that he's still listening. So we're a little fired up. We'll come to church even when it's hot. Real Christian. If you're in church when it's above 80 degrees in Irvine, you are officially probably going to heaven. Okay? So good news. We're going to have a good day, though. If you're brand new to our church, maybe you don't normally go to church. You would consider yourself to be an atheist or agnostic, or maybe you don't like church or Christianity. I just want to say welcome. We know every week there's people that do not believe like us, but as a church, we're glad you're here. I wish you'd help me out with that. We're glad you're here. We love skeptics. I was a skeptic. Was there anybody that you used to be a skeptic? God got a hold of your heart. There's so many of us that I'm like, man, I don't believe that God's real. And then he's like, oh, I am real. Okay. I'll follow you then. So going to be a great day today at church. But uh, if you're a brand new guest with us this morning at Oceans, um, I'm going to open up the Bible today. If you're brand new to our church, we're going to read uh, five verses out of Acts chapter 20. What chapter? Acts 20. And uh, we're in a series we started last week called It's Possible. It's Possible. Very simple idea, but I think it's uncommon in these parts at times. That the Bible says in Luke one thirty seven that with God, nothing shall be impossible. I think many people today are very educated, very smart. Um, I think very, especially in Orange County, sophisticated. Uh, but I think sometimes we have so many degrees. Some, some people have more degrees than a thermometer. And um, we sometimes hide behind the academic side of the Bible that we're actually scared of the experience. We're, we're scared at times to actually put ourselves in a position that we have to have faith and not just full-blown understanding. Some things in life don't have clean answers. Have you noticed that? And I don't know about you if you've ever ran into a brick wall called impossibilities. I feel like God has a a famous way of leading all of us in life to these cul-de-sacs that we have a roadblock that goes, are we going to trust God? (laughs) Are we just going to drive around in circles the rest of our lives? And I want to talk to you this morning. I've been praying all week. I've been so burdened this week. I just, I, and, and probably came out a little bit in our, in our time of, of worship, but I'm so burdened that um, I think so many believers today, they've lost hope that God can still do the impossible. And it's evidence in the fact that when you, when you run into some bad news, you just take it for what it is. My kid has a tumor. They're probably going to, they're probably not going to make it. You know, my, my, my grandma just got COVID. She's probably not going to make it. I, my, my parents are getting divorced. It's probably just going to ruin every, you know, it's all going to fall apart. It's, my kids are crazy. My, my, my brother's an addict. It's just going to probably be the way it's always going to. I am convinced that too many people take the impossibilities of life at face value. I'm not against science. I'm not against facts. But I am against valuing those things more than God. I don't think that faith ignores facts. Faith just doesn't ignore God either. God has God even said amen to that. I am convinced that we serve a God that actually can do the impossible. You don't say amen, the speakers will today. So, Acts chapter 20. God's got my back up here. 
Acts chapter 20, uh, verse, verse 7. It's a story about Paul, great, great apostle. I want to just, if I could contextualize this just for one minute. Um, it would be like having your favorite Bible teacher, theologian, scholar, apostle uh, in the world coming into these tents and most well-known leader of the time being in your home church. There's sellout crowds. There's, there's, there's not cars. There's camels and chariots and horses lining the streets. It's standing room only. It's an indoor church service on the third floor. It's vibrant. It's electric. It's dynamic. Everyone's buzzing. It's all over social media, Facebook's advertising, Instagram. Everywhere you turn, the apostle Paul is coming to Troas. Everyone's fired up about it. So they get there early. People save seats. They're fired up. And verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, it was Sunday. What day? First day of the week when the disciples gathered together. They've been gathering together on the first day of the week for a long time. They were breaking bread. Come on, we Christians have been overeating since the beginning. They were breaking bread. Breaking bread. With Paul, ready to depart. He was leaving the next day. So he spoke and continued his message in the church until midnight. Who wants to break that record today? Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Prove it. Uh, continued his message until midnight. It says, uh, as he continued his message, there was many lamps in the upper room. It was late at night where they were gathered. And in a window, in a what? In a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Say it with me, Eutychus. That's fun to say. It's like saying Francisco who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story window, wow. fell asleep, fell down, third story window, and he was taken up dead, not, not, not unconscious, dead. But Paul went down. He went down. He fell on him. He embraced him. He said this crazy phrase, do not trouble yourselves. For his life is in him. Don't trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now, when he had come up, after that, they broke some more bread. Scholars argue. They say mostly, most would agree it was Chick-fil-A. They ate it together. They talked a long while, even until daybreak. It was a rager, all-nighter. They departed, and they brought the young man in alive. Eutychus, they brought him in. He was, come on, say it with me. He was alive, and everybody, it says, was not a little comforted. Dr. Luke goes, people were pumped. This went from the worst church service ever to the best church service ever. That's what miracles do. Miracles can take the worst possible moment of your life, and you're like, this will either be the thing that defines me for the worst, or this will be the very thing that God uses to, do, to turn everything around and launch me into my future. Miracles are moments in life that could be the worst part of life or become the, the soil that the greatest things God ever do comes out of that. We always say God do miracles until we need a miracle. Like, God, get me out of this situation. He's like, you asked for a miracle. Now you need one. Anyways, let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Fill these tents with your Holy Spirit. Bless those watching online today. We pray for more championships for the Lakers and for the Rams and the Chargers. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All the California teams. Amen. All right. Not a lot of sports fans here.
If you're watching online, uh, not a very enthusiastic crowd this morning. I, um, I was thinking about how uh, there's a lot of people on the world. In the world and on the world. That was profound. I want to talk to you today a little bit about attitude. Say with me, attitude. My title for you today is Lucky Miracles. Lucky Miracles. Lucky Miracles. And my subtitle is, if you want to write down the second one, some of you don't want to write down the first one, but the second title would be Attitudes. Attitudes. Uh, seven, I was looking last night, 7.8 billion people on the earth right now. 7.8 billion. Uh, there was 84 million that have been born just this year so far. 84 million, excuse me, 84 million, 84 billion. There's 7.8 billion, but 84 billion were born this year. This guy's smart. Um, no, 84 million people born this year. And I was thinking about how, as human beings, we have so much in common, right? We, for the most part, we all, you know, we hear, we all have the ability to hear. Most of us have the ability to see. We have the ability to compute information. Most of us have taken mathematics. Uh, some of us have taken it more than others. I didn't take algebra two, but I took algebra one two times. Come on. I, uh, I, uh, I didn't like school a lot growing up. I mean, there's a couple subjects I didn't like at all. There was like a, a tie, like a seven-way tie for my least favorite subjects. <laughs> I was thinking about, though, 7.8 billion people, a lot of different variari- uh, var- variations of people. But really, if we're being honest, if you were coming from another universe, you would agree that we are more like each other than different. Most of us walk with two legs. Most of us have two hands, ten fingers, ten toes. There's exceptions, but most people have a lot of similarities. And if we're being generally just kind of using a generalization, most of us have way more in common than we have different. So why is it as human species, 7.8 billion of us, how can we be so alike and yet so different? I would say it's the little difference that makes a big difference. The little difference is attitude. The big difference is what type it is. I think, quite frankly, in the Bible, God was interested in attitudes. I have found, here's my thesis, if you want to write this down today. Why should I pay attention to the next 15 minutes? I believe this, that it is the attitude of people partnered with the power of God that creates miracles. There is something about having the right attitude in relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit that creates environments that God can do the impossible. I'll prove it to you. But before I do, I would just say God is interested in attitudes. I have found that even in the early church, the first mega church in the world was the children of Israel. There was 3 million people wandering through a desert for 40 years on a 12-day trip because of their God was not pleased with their attitude. Some people, they, they got swallowed by wells because of their attitude. Some people, man, they had to build a boat to save the world because of the negative attitudes. Attitude's a big deal. I think that many people, you ever had friends that have good attitudes? Everything's going wrong, and they're like, it's still a good day. Who's grateful for those friends? You know, the ones that starts raining too much, and you're like, man, this rain is going. I love the rain. No, you don't. Yes, I do. It's just, I love it. It's like, go back to Seattle then, Okay. Seattle only rains twice a year, once for six months, once for five months. I am, I am convinced, man, that people are like attitudes, everything. Some people are faith-filled. Some people are optimistic in their attitudes. 
And then you meet other people that have everything. They have everything materially. They're married to models. They drive supercars. They live in mansions. But their attitude is very negative attitude. It's cynical. It's critical. It's kind of what Psalms 1 talks about. Don't sit with those people. Don't walk with those people. Don't talk with those people. You become, the Bible says, he who becomes a friend of angry will learn his ways. Therefore, walk with the wise. Become wise attitude. I love this story. It's a, I think it's one of the funniest stories in the New Testament. The irony of, of Dr. Luke is a great physician who travels with the apostle Paul, and he's in a revival meeting on a third-story floor, standing room only. It's vibrant, dynamic, electric. People are fired up. They're, they're pumped. The faith level on a scale of 1 to 10 is 15. People are, wow. Paul's here. Something's going to happen. And it's crazy to me that, that Luke is like, hey, in the midst of that revival meeting, chairs fallen out by the power of God, there was still a young man named Eutychus. And he fell asleep during the world's greatest Bible teacher's sermon, which makes me feel good. I'm like, hey, people fall asleep during Paul's message. They'll fall asleep during mine, maybe. I'm telling you that this story shows us that you can go to a church on fire and still fall asleep. I'd actually be as bold to say that the fire, your personal fire, is not indicated by the fire of this church. You're, you have control over what's going on in your spirit. Paul is in your church and you're sleeping at a window? What's wrong with you, Eutychus? But the irony of the story is, is that this is a dynamic. I would argue, I would say, on the earth that night, that arguably this is the greatest church service on the planet that night with the greatest Bible teacher, the greatest apostle on, on the earth. And Eutychus, a young man, why is it going to be young people? Dr. Luke's like, it was a young guy, teenager. He was on his TikTok account, posted up at the window. Say with me, the window. I was thinking about, man, the irony of this story is, is that you have the most vibrant, dynamic church in Orange County, or in the world. And you have a young man that falls asleep. And this is the interesting thing. He could have fallen asleep in the front row and fallen 19 inches. He could have fallen asleep against the wall, fallen 16 inches. But he falls asleep in the most dangerous place of the church, which is the window. I believe windows in the church are the most dangerous part of the church to live in. There are still windows in the church today. What are windows? Windows, that's going to blow your mind. They separate the outside from the inside. Wow. They do. And if you live in a cold climate, it's likely that it would be cold outside, it would be hot inside, and the windows is where the hot air and the cold air collide. Revelations refers to that idea and that notion as a lukewarm environment where hot and cold collide. I think Eutychus was likely a lukewarm Christian. Why? Because he was right where it's hot and right where it's cold. And when you live this way, you'll be perpetually frustrated. Because you'll be too godly to enjoy sin and you'll be too sinful to enjoy all the things of God. And you find yourself at this window. What's window Christianity? What's kind of like Orange County? People want the benefits of heaven, but they want to live like society. I want to have friends with benefits, but I want to go to heaven. I, I want to shack up. I want to, what did you say? Shh, I don't know. It wasn't a cuss word. 
I said, shack up. People want to, how much of darkness can I, can I meddle in before God gets upset? How close, how, how many limbs can I put outside of the window, fill the environment outside, look at what's happening outside, go to the same environments that my friends are clubbing in, getting high in, honoring these soothsayers and psychics and kind of just processing pain while they take pain pills and they snort cocaine and these people are winos and man these I'm not and I'm not throwing rocks at addiction I just think many people medicate the pain of their lives because they live in the church at the window I believe in God I believe in what Paul's saying but I also I like looking outside what's going on my friends like kind of filling the air out here and it's kind of fun But what you don't realize about window Christianity is eventually it will cause you to fall asleep. Eutychus conks out at the window. Deep sleep. How do you fall asleep? I don't know. It's dangerous. It's three. This this is not the first floor, Eutychus. This is the stupidest place to fall asleep. But my man Eutychus doesn't realize that windows are dangerous. I believe many people today, they live their lives in the church at the window. They have this statement, how much can I get away with before God starts getting bugged butt by it? So we argue about alcohol. We argue about we morality. We argue about sex. We argue about sexuality. We argue about well, what's God tolerate, what's he not tolerate. Some people, and the problem is we have, we have the truth world that's all truth and no grace, and they're mean and they're ugly. And you have the grace world that loves everybody, but they have zero truth. It's like a human being with no skeleton. It's a big blob of non-muscle. It's like, where are the Christians that are loving but still holding on to truth? Where are those people at? And I would argue with you, I would say to you that if you, if you, if you went to the altar with your spouse and said, hey, babe, hey, I want to marry you for better, for worse, sickness, and health till death do us apart. Can I just ask you one question? How much can I flirt with other people until you get upset? <laughs> I'd be enjoying the view in the driveway at night. Won that argument. I am telling you that your wife would never tolerate you with that attitude. Hey, I want you to marry me, but how much can I get away with with other people, other stuff? I'm not talking about works, friends. I'm not talking about your own right. I'm just saying I think if there is ever an epidemic in the church today, it's not an excess of uh, legalism right now. It would probably be an excess of wildness. I think grace has gone wild in many churches. I think we live in a day and age that most people are scared to be legalistic than they are to be carnal. We live in wild times. I want the benefits of heaven, but I want to be as close to the outside world as I can get. It's dangerous. Windows are dangerous. Ask Eutychus. And the irony of this funny story is, is Paul's preaching. He's mid-flight sharing a message. People are amening. People are fired up, standing, clapping. And all of a sudden, there is a commotion in the back of this third-story church service. And people are like, what's going on in the back? And all of a sudden, they draw straws. And some little poor guy has to walk up on the stage in the middle of the Apostle Paul's message and interrupt him. The thing is, is Eutychus, his name literally translates fortunate. His name means lucky. You can't make this stuff up. So young guy walks up on the stage, interrupts the great apostle. Pastor, Pastor uh, Paul, this is amazing. This is a great message. Uh, we have a little bit of a situation in the back. 
our man Lucky, um, well, he's not lucky anymore. Lucky fell out of the window. He kind of, he snoozed. Um, he, he, he dozed off at your preaching. Uh, he loves you. He, he does. Um, but he fell asleep. He's out the window, and um, we don't know what to do. I was thinking about, and this is what I've been bugged by all week. I've heard a lot of stories of people getting sick with COVID, a lot of stories of people getting sick with viruses, diseases. Uh, I have a fr- my, my brother-in-law, uh, my, my stepbrother's daughter's friend, best friend from dance, just found out this week that she has a tumor. She's unconscious right now. Doctors say the brain activity is gone. She's six years old. I hear of stories in the world, and I think to myself, how would Jesus process that? How would the Apostle Paul process that? When I get bad news, when I get news that makes me cry, makes me sad, it makes me angry, it makes me furious, and I want to go after hell. I want to go after the devil, and I want him to pay for the pain and suffering that's in the world. I start thinking to myself, what would Paul do? What would Peter do? What would John do? What would Barnabas do? What would Jesus, what would Elijah, what would Elisha, what would their attitude be about that death? And the beautiful thing is we have a Bible that shows us their attitude. Let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't do what most pastors would do today. Lucky just died. Okay, can you send a card to his mom and dad? And say, we're sorry that your son died in our church. That's what most churches would do today. We would start planning a funeral. But I'm grateful to be a part of a church that we don't plan funerals here easily. And funerals are the last thing that we plan in this church. We will fight for miracles until we can't. Paul's attitude was not, let's throw in the towel. His attitude was, where's he at? Where's he at? You know what Eutychus' saving grace was? He didn't fall out of society. He fell out of the church. His saving grace was he was in the church enough that someone knew his name. Someone knew where he was. And when he went through the marriage divorce and when he went bankrupt in his business and when he hit a wall and his child fell into drug usage, when he fell out of the church, someone said, hey, where did Lucky go? Someone knew his name. You know what's scary for some of you guys? Some of you could fall out of the window this week. You could fall spiritually to your death this week, and no one would even notice you're missing. My heart for you would be is get involved in a small group. Because the matter is not if. It's when we go through challenging seasons. You will need a body of believers. That's why James 5.14 says, and if anyone among you is sick, let him call. Let him call. Who call? Him call. It's not the pastor's job to know what's going on in the world. It's your job to have pastors. Let him call for the elders of the church and let the elders anoint him in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The word sick is not physical sick. It means needy. It means poor. It means feeble. If you're lying dead on blacktop, you are needy. And our man Lucky is in a need. And they go, well, it says, most, some of these guys are saying, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Apostle Paul. Now, the world just diagnosed this guy as dead. Which, there's three attitudes in our world today. There are society's attitudes, there's fan attitudes, and there's follower of Jesus attitudes. My prayer is that if you're in one, you get to the next one tonight. Or today. Unless the service goes long. Could be tonight. 
I am convinced that people in the world, society has an attitude. You know what society's attitude is towards impossibilities? It is what it is. Did a message about that one time. Still annoying myself by the title of that message. You know those people, it is what it is. Oh, your, your daughter, she's using, oh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, she'll never get out of that heroin addiction. Oh, your wife, she struggles. Oh, yeah, she'll always struggle with that. It just is what it is. Doesn't that phrase just make you feel dirty? Oh, they got COVID. It just is what it is. Oh, you, you guys went through a trap. They got cancer. Oh, it is just, I'm sorry. They're going to die. And I think we live in a society that's quick to give up. Because we don't think that God can do much. Society thinks that God is a figment of our imagination. Society thinks that faith is a, is a crutch for weak people. To that I say, I hope God starts breaking some legs. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Kidding. That was a joke. I'm telling you that if Jesus is a crutch, he's the greatest crutch I've ever had. And I'd rather be leaning on Jesus than leaning on cocaine, leaning on money, leaning on sex. Are you hearing me today? If you're going to lean on anything, I would love to lean on God. Oh, that's getting quiet up in here. I'd rather smack someone with truth than kiss them with lies. I'll tell you the truth today. If you're going to lean on anything, I would rather lean on a God that can do anything. And if he's alive, he's real. He's not worthy of some of you. He's worthy of all of you. There he is again. I am convinced that many young people, they go, look, I believe in God, but I'm living at the window. The, the, the window's fun. Man, sleeping around is fun. Man, this sin is fun. This darkness is fun. When I get old, I'll get right with God. Listen to me. If he's real, he's worthy of your best years. I'm not waiting until I'm wrinkled up, shriveled up, lost four inches of my original height, and I'm getting ready to retire and go to heaven. I want to serve Jesus with the best years of my life. I know I have the greatest news on the earth. It's called the good news. It's good. He didn't say change your mind, repent. The kingdom of hell is at hand. That's bad news. Hell's close. Kingdom of hell's at hand. Better change your mind. That's not the message Jesus preached. It was good news. Hey, you should change your mind about God because heaven's close. When you, be, when you get an awareness that you're going to live forever, catch me here today. Don't chill me out. Forever. Sandlot. Forever. Forever. Listen, forever. Why would you gamble eternity? Well, I'll wait until the end of my life, and then I think God is real. I'm at the window. I'm enjoying the breeze. You will enjoy the breeze for a season. The Bible is clear that it doesn't say that doing dumb things isn't fun. It just promises that the fun won't last. It says the stuff that you're eating that tastes so sweet right now, things that people do in Orange County. I'm telling you, this thing, all drugs, affairs, all the stuff, greed. That stuff tastes so good when it's in your mouth. But the Bible says eventually it will turn into gravel. Thanks, Solomon. Gravel in your mouth. That sounds like a party. But I'm, I'm, I'm not, this is heavy today. I, I just, I don't know why. I am convinced that faith in God is connected to going, God, I am willing to go all the way in. We have a lot of people like Eutychus, like, I'll live at the window. And I'm like, hey, let's get away from the window. Why would you live at the window when you can be in the front row where the action's at? Why would you, why would you spend your whole life in the nosebleed seats of heaven? 
Like, if God is real, I don't want to be looking at the things of God through binoculars, talking about, oh, man, my brother, he's really close to the court. Oh, man, my sister, man, she's really doing great things for God. Why would you live up in the nosebleed seats when you can be right there with him? Eutychus, hey, Lucky is, uh, he's dead. Paul goes, all right, this is what, listen, I think some Christians today, you know what religion would do in that situation? They would come to the window in their high and mighty third floor stance, and they would say, that's what you get, sinner. That's what you get. It's like Job's friends. Oh, Job, friends? No, those aren't your friends. You don't need enemies when you have friends like Job. They weren't friends. They're like, Job, you probably have sin in your life. You have some unrepented sin, Job. That's why bad things are happening to you, because you're a bad person. And that's what, that's what some Pharisees do, is they get in the window of the church, and they say, that's what you get for sleeping during church. That's what you get for not being involved in small group. You didn't pay your tithes and return the offering. So, <laughs> just annoyed myself, or I'm going to punch myself. Religion will condemn people from a high place. You know what Paul does? He models us what Jesus does for us. He stops the church to be the church. He walks down, not one, not two, three flights of stairs. He comes down to the fallen condition of lucky. Lucky did fall. Lucky fell. Lucky fell from grace. And you know what Christianity does? It comes down to the fallen level. He does three things. He falls on him. He embraces him. And he declares God's word over him. He ain't dead. There's still life in him. I wonder what was going through the mind. The attitude of the Apostle Paul. What was he thinking as he heard someone is dead on the cement? Society has labeled him dead. Give up. Case closed. We've already diagnosed this guy is gone. But there's some fans in the church that go, hey, fans are, fans are excited when your team's winning. But fans don't usually play. Fans are just cheering from the sidelines. And I think it's good. I, I would say if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're in society, you're like, I don't really believe in God. To get to a place that you cheer for people that have faith, that's a good place to start. But I would tell you that's not where we're going to land. The end goal of God's heart for everyone in this room is not just to be a fan of Jesus, that you're like, hey, I know someone that can pray for sick people. I know a church that has miracles. I'll invite you. That's a good place to start. But guess what? There will be a point in your life, if you'll let Jesus, that you shift gears from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. You know what followers of Jesus do? Is that they're not waiting for someone else to have faith. Your friend just got sick? Let's pray for him right now. Don't you need to call Pastor Joel? No, no, no. I, I know Jesus too. We can call Joel, but let's, let's try ourselves first. We ain't got it. Then we'll call Joel. Where are the people like Paul that are going down the flights of stairs meeting people in their desperate moments? Meeting people in their time of need. He's not dead. There's life in him. Yeah. It's intriguing to me. I thought, why would he fall on him? He fell. I mean, that was today. Can you imagine the headlines? Pastor puts young teenager to sleep in church service, bored someone to death. That's the headlines on CNN, right? Young churchgoer bored to death. <laughs> Another headline. MSNBC is like, pastor falls on dead body. Weirdo. Other headlines, Fox News, right? They're like, uh, Pastor Hugs Corpse. <laughs> Another one. Can I keep going? Uh, I don't know. Newsmax? I'm trying to get more news stations. Uh, Anderson Cooper's like, ah, uh, this pastor was, 
He was saying he's not dead, but he is. They would be criticizing this pastor. But I just love the early church just didn't care. Call me crazy. I'd rather err being crazy for God. I'd rather be like Peter. I thought to myself, you know what the attitude of pastors are today? Most pastors, they just, they just, they want to play it safe. Can I just tell you, you know why most pastors don't want to preach like this and talk about miracles? Because they're scared to talk about it, miracles and they don't happen. You know what faith is? Faith is relinquishing control. The opposite, the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is control. And why most people don't have faith is because somewhere in that moment, you can't hide behind degrees. You can't hide behind seminary. You can't hide behind your five points. You got to go, God's either going to show up. I can't control it, but I can believe for it. I don't know about you. I want to go to a church that when someone needs a miracle, that's a church they go to. And it's funny to me, I have friends in L.A., I got friends in big cities that know big people and do big things, and they're living a wild life, and they have godly heritage and godly roots, and when those people hit a wall, guess who they call? You know, it's funny, it's funny that when you hit an impossibility, you forget about all your friends that have nothing really to offer you, and like, where are my friends that actually believe that God can do the impossible? I like being on those people's speed dials, on their MySpace top ten. I, uh, I'm almost finished. Band can come up here. I'm almost done. Are you guys still doing okay? Who give me five more minutes? Five more minutes? Five, ten, fifty. God said he'll give me five more minutes. I heard that little crack in the speaker. I, uh, I believe society is quick to, quick to quit. They're quick to label people. Oh, you're just an alcoholic. You're always going to be an alcoholic. Uh, you're just a pervert. You're just, you're just, uh, you're going to be like your parents. Your parents got, uh, got divorced. Their parents got divorced. Your uncle was a user. Your dad was an atheist. His dad was an atheist. You're going to be what you've always been. There's no way to change. So that's what society does. The attitude of society is God can't change things. The attitude of the fans was let's find somebody that can do something about this. But there was followers there. Paul walked down the stairs. I was thinking, God, what was he thinking when he was walking down the stairs? And it occurred to me that Paul the Apostle was um, one of the greatest scholars, so he knew the Old Testament really well. So he probably started thinking about 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings chapter 4, the story of Elijah when he actually got a, a, a woman's son who was dead and fell on top of him three times. And then he prayed a prayer, God returned the soul to this, to this son, and the boy came back to life. Paul was also probably thinking about Elisha, who actually had the woman, the, the, the Shunammite widow, actually had a son who died, had a brain aneurysm probably. He said, my head hurts, my head hurts, and he dies. She summons Elisha, he comes to her house, and she forces him to come to her house. He brings the little boy up into his bedroom, he falls on the boy, and it says something crazy, it says he lays out over the boy, his face to his face, his hands to his hands, his mouth to his mouth, literally right on top, face to face with this kid. And the Bible says something crazy. It says the boy didn't get, he didn't come back to life right away. But the first thing that happened was is his temperature came back. He went from a dead, cold corpse. And there was so much fire and heat in Elisha that it actually began to warm the corpse's body. He got up, probably started praying in the spirit again, stirred up his faith, and he laid on the corpse a second time. And it said the second time the kid sneezed seven times. 
That's a weird story. I would take weird with a miracle. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in the Presbyterian church just for a second. I would take weird any day with the miraculous power of Jesus than orderly, sophisticated, cool, slick advertising with zero power of God. Where are the people? Where are they? Where are the churches that when people get sick, they're not calling the, the funeral home. They're saying, hey, we're going to do everything we can do before we ever think about that. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to drive around hospitals. We're going to form small groups. We're going to seek God. We're going to bombard heaven. Where are those churches? And they're out there, but there's just not many of them left. Today, we live in a day and age that we hide behind technology. We hide behind three points. We just finish nice and cool and clean. And I'm like, where's the space that says, God, I can't control this moment, but you can. What do you want to do? Mark 16, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them who believe. They will lay hands on the sick. Sick. And they will recover. You're not dead, Eutychus. Lucky there's still life in you. I heard this all week long. God was like, Mark, I want you to begin to speak to the things that look dead. I want you to start praying for that little girl in the, in the high desert that looks like she has no future and begin to declare, God, she's not dead. There's still life in her. I'm going to start praying over my friend Iman. I'm continuing to pray for Iman. He's not dead. There's still life in him. Turn the tides. We looked at Iman's name means fortunate. It means lucky. And I was praying this week, God, if Iman, if lucky could come back to life, God, Iman can come fully back online. He's not dead. There's still life. In, you hear me today? And you might think I'm too fired up and too passionate, but listen, if that was your son, if that was your dad or your daughter, you would want a church that's fired up about the miracle power of Jesus. I am convinced that people argue today, miracles were for yesterday. No, they're for today. And I'll tell you, the man with an argument will always be at the mercy of a pastor or a Christian with an experience. You can tell me there's no good cookies in Orange County, but I've been to Crumble. I've tasted, I've seen, I know. So you ain't telling me there's not a God that doesn't heal. I've tasted. I've seen. You seem kind of fired up. I've lived both lives. I've lived in clubs. I've been addicted to pornography. I lost my virginity before Jesus. I lived wild. I did it. I've been there. I've done that. And listen to me. It was fun for a season, but it didn't last. I am bold in this. I have tasted both sides of the world. And I'm happy to report that what we have is what everyone in the world is looking for. How do you know? I've pastored professional athletes, actors, influencers that have had everything monetarily and wept like everybody else at an altar saying, I have looked everywhere else for what I have found here today. I know I have the greatest news in the world. I know the church is stewards of the greatest mysteries of life. And I know that purpose is found nowhere else than in Jesus. He's a healing God. He's a powerful God. He's a God that's worthy of our highest honor. I wonder if you would stand your feet quietly and just, can we just take a moment to say, God, thank you that you're the, th you're the God that calls those things that are not as though they are. Thank you that when the world and society says there's no hope, that with Jesus, there's always hope. Thank you for our friends that say, look, it's not really worth going in for God all the way. I thank you that, Lord, if you're real, you're worthy of our highest surrender. I don't know why I feel this today so strong. 
there's some luckies in this room. Things look dead, but I'm telling you, there is still life in you. Yeah, still life. We're going to just honor him right now. Last five, seven minutes of this service. Listen to me. If your attitude would go, God, you know what the attitude of followers are? Not today, devil. You know what the attitude of the real church is? Not today, devil. You're not going to take my kids. You're not going to take my city. You're not going to take our state. Not today, devil. California belongs to Jesus. As for me, as for my house, we're going to serve God. He's a healing God. He's a God that can change things. He's a God that can liberate the addict. He's a God that can restore the blind eyes, the deaf ears. He can heal the broken back. He's a God that does the impossible. Can we sing like he's still on the throne? Come on, can we sing like he's still listening? Let's go, let's go.
He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Love to host your presence. Love the flow of your presence. Love the sound of your voice. Have, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Yeah, Jonathan Ruley. I think you're here today. It's like the Lord wanted me to tell you, young man, that God's hand is on your life. There is an unprecedented favor that he has given you. It's on you. It's on your sister, Jessica. And I believe that today, God would even today extend an invitation to both of you guys. There's a high call, I believe, on both of you. And I believe that there's something that God wants you guys to do both in business, but also for the kingdom of God. I believe this is going to be a season the next 24 to 36 months that God even gets you ready. Just close your eyes. God is going to get you ready. You're at a crossroad right now. And I believe the Lord would just lovingly invite you, saying you did, you've done so much of life and you've had so much favor and so much prominence, but God today would invite you and say, do you want to do it with me? Do you want to build something with me? Jessica, I don't know why I just feel like today God wants to restore what the locust has devoured. God is going to heal you where your heart has been wounded. And I sense God today, woman of God, that there is a high call on your life. It's not just for your siblings. It's not just for Mel. It's not just for Amy. There is a high call on your life. And I believe that God will restore what was lost. And I believe that God has a, has a bright future for you. I declare today there is a high call of both business of influence, of entrepreneurship, but there's also a call of ministry on every one of you. There is not a ruling in this family that doesn't have a call of God on their life. Gary and Michelle have prayed each one of you guys into the plans and purpose of God. And today I feel the Lord like a clarion saying, my call is on them, my, my call is real, and my purpose is good. Serving God is good. I pray, Lord, for a distaste for the things of world and I pray for a holy heavenly appetite to begin to invade their hearts I pray the set time the time to go after God with all of your heart that time is now not waiting 20 years 30 years it's now God's gonna use you both in a powerful way yeah there's a steward here today that you have an issue with your back I think it's c5 c6 I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm healing Stuart's back right now. I pray, Lord, there would be no more numbness in your thumb, in your hand, in your wrist. I pray in Jesus' name, Stuart. I don't even know if you know him yet, but I'm telling you that's him. That's, that is the presence of God. I'm not a psychic. I am a son of God, and I, I know when he speaks to me. And I hear him saying, I'm healing Stuart's back. It's proof that this message is from God. Next week, I dare you to come back because I'm going to talk about confirmations. I believe the reason why God does miracles today is to confirm. We get email, you, you book a reservation on a hotel, and they will send you a confirmation email. It is to let you know that they heard from you, and they're responding back. God heals in response to confirm that the gospel is that good. Today, heal. Heal Kathy, Kathy's leg. Heal it right now. It's almost like the leg is too short. Heal her leg. Heal her leg. I pray for Mikkel. Mikkel. There's a Mikkel online or in the room. Mikkel, I pray right now that your ears would open up. That ringing in your ears would go right now, Mikkel, in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikkel, be healed. 
There's even someone in here, uh, there's a lady in here, I think her name's Sarah, and you have some sort of issue. It's like some sort of infection. It's in a kind of embarrassing part of your body. And God today would say, I am healing you. The infection's leaving right now. There's someone in here, you've had a urine tract infection. And God, even right now, He's healing you. Your mom used to always get them. Your mom's mom got them. And today, God would heal you. I pray, Lord. I just thank you that you would speak. Your servant is listening. I pray you do whatever you want to do. I pray for Rex today. I just, I hear the Lord even Rex. I hear, I hear even right now for Rex that there is a exuberant faith. And there's a sound in you, Rex. I believe that God is going to open up your mouth. I don't even know if you sing. But there's going to be a song. And there's songs and lyrics and poetry and books that will come out of a grateful, out of a healed, out of a redeemed soul. He's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretending we're at camp for a minute. Is that okay? I ask in Jesus' name. I, I ask in Jesus' name. I pray for the businessman that's made lots of money but hasn't made a difference. I thought God told me this week there are some high-power business people that are almost like grabbing, you know when they have those uh, building dedications, they have shovels, like fancy shovels. And I saw God giving some of you high power business people like a gold shovel and said, if you're going to be in this church, whatever church I'm taking you to, you're going to start building the church. And I saw people giving literally like millions of dollars, not just to Ocean's Church, but to other churches. And you've made money, but you've never had significance because you've never built God's kingdom. You've only built your castle. And I'm telling, I, I don't know why I'm bold in this. Money doesn't go to me, obviously. I, I just feel like God wants to bring some people. We're going to own, I believe, land. We're going to own properties that are going to be flooded with souls that go to heaven. We need people to win in business to finance the, the mission of the church. We need some Joseph of Arimathea's to rise up. We need some Anasaphoruses to rise up. We need some of these people like Lydia to rise up. That God would bless you in such a way that you go, hey, I'm going to finance this, this vision, this mission. I pray in Jesus' name. I just feel that God is weaponizing some calls. In Jesus' name. If you need a miracle in your body, I'm out of time. I'm sorry, I went long today. Last two weeks we went long. I think we've been going long lately. But we've been going long with God. Is that okay? Is it okay to go long with God? I'd rather go long with God than short without Him. He's here. Need a miracle in your body? Need a touch from heaven? I would love it. You're discouraged, depressed, anxious. Maybe your back's messed up. Maybe you have an issue with your, uh, your, your sciatic nerve. You're here today. You have some sort of critical, uh, critical uh, doctor's appointment this week. Maybe you're fighting cancer, found a mass on your body, have some sort of issue in your digestive tract. Maybe you have a tumor. Even if it's benign, I just, I'm telling you, God wants to heal today. I have been praying for you all week. If you're here today you need a touch from heaven, physical, mental, spiritual, I want you to raise your hand. God, would you touch? Would you heal? Would you meet me today? Meet me here. I'm almost done. We'll be out of here in two minutes. Meet me here. If you could be honest, just go and lift your hands. We're family here at Ocean's Church. We're certainly not going to embarrass you. But I would love it right now if guys with guys, girls with girls, if you see someone next to you with their hand up, would you just put your hand on their shoulder right now? The Bible promises that those who believe when we lay hands on people, they will recover. So I ask you today, we never outgrow this. We're not too old. We're not too young. We're not too mature. We're not too immature. I thank you that responding to God is something we never outgrow. Hands lifted all over the tents. Come on, if your hands are on someone's shoulder, I want you to boldly pray this prayer. Say, in Jesus' name, would you meet him here? Holy Spirit, 
we invite you would you heal would you restore would you deliver would you empower would you encourage your sons and daughters right now from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet do what no one else can do show them that you're still a powerful god jesus name jesus name. that's his presence some of you are getting emotional right that's the presence of god that's not a good lyric or that's not a good little little uh, riff on a guitar or good piano key that's the presence of jesus i thank you that you're touching right now jesus name come on if you receive that prayer go ahead and say amen do me a favor we're almost done if you're here greatest miracle in the bible is not the dead coming back to life according to the bible the greatest miracle we read about is when one human heart opens up to jesus puts faith in god if you're atheist agnostic or you were serving god you knew him at one point but your life got off track if you want to recommit your faith in jesus today or maybe it's for the very first time you say mark i feel his presence I've tasted the crumble cookie. It is real. This is legit. This is good. I want more of it. If that's you today, all over the room, online, you can write heart. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for everybody that's here today that says, Mark, today's the day that I get right with Jesus. Today's the day that I invite God in or back in to my life. All over oceans today there was seven first service here more at san juan many more in this service would you do me a favor all over the tents online today would you raise your hand or write heart online on the count of three one i pray right now they'd all respond lord let them not miss this moment two i pray right now god they would summons they would they would answer your summons three real high that's me hands going up all over all over real high no one's looking eyes closed heads bowed real high real high real high real high Thank you, Jesus. I see four hands, five hands. Keep it up, keep it up. Five hands, five hands, six hands. Anybody else? Awesome, awesome, six hands. Put your hands down. Oceans, pray this with me today. Say, Jesus, today I come to you as I am. Would you come into my life? Would you fill my mind, my heart with your spirit? Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? And would you lead me from this day forward? I invite you to be the God of my life. Speak to me as I read the Bible. Give me a great church in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, come on, go ahead and say amen. Give me a hand clap today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.